May we be grateful for the hearing, reading, and understanding of this word. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these words read this morning from, this, from these scripture passages, and we pray that you would continue to speak to us this morning, and Lord, I pray that you would speak through me in the coming moments and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So I may have shared before, one of my, um, one of my kind of bucket list items is to do a road trip across the United States. And uh, at one point in my life to be able to say, I, you know, I've been in all the 50 states. I just think that would be kind of neat. And to just get in a, you know, a rented RV or something and just, you know, just cruise and go to different places and different things. And I was reminded of that this week as um, uh, our children's uh, godmother, uh, who was our former neighbor before we moved down here, uh, could you put that picture up? Um, I might have you do that this morning because my device uh, conveniently decided to say, I'm not going to work today. So it, it's a battery thing. So it's my fault. But if you could do that. So this is Liz. This is uh, her and her dog, uh, Zana. And Liz retired from the Air Force this year and has some time on her hands now. And her husband is um, uh, preparing to be a police officer. He also retired from the Air Force this year. And so she had time and said, you know, I'm just going to do a road trip with me and the dog. And we're going to go across the country and visit some old friends from different Air Force bases and different things. And uh, this is a picture she put up this week at the Grand Canyon. So she's, she's gone, uh, and she's been in California. I think she's going to Seattle before coming back. But she's just taken like a month or so to just do these trips. And it's, just, and it's been so cool to, to follow it. And it's just been a reminder for me of some places that, uh, in God's beautiful creation in our country that I would just personally love to see uh, in my lifetime as well. And uh, just a neat idea for, for a road trip and, and a reminder of just what a journey that would be to do that. And maybe some of you have driven across the country. And uh, although I feel like once I drove across, I'd probably want to fly back, but I don't know, but, uh, or go a different route or something. But, uh, but it's a journey. It, it's quite a journey. And I'm really looking forward to hearing her talk about that journey and what it looked like day by day and some of the struggles and some of the successes and some of the joys and things that maybe she didn't anticipate but that were great and, and vice versa. But just like uh, she's on a journey and a journey that I would like to do someday, you know, our Christian discipleship is also a journey. Following Jesus is a journey. And part of our journey includes uh, corporate worship, public worship. And this particular um, setting uh, with us, it's Sunday morning, corporate worship, coming together as a body, as a family, and worshiping God together and experiencing God together, and the importance of that in our discipleship as we follow Jesus, the importance of including this public worship setting as part of our journey as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And if you remember a couple weeks ago, um, I talked about worship and and I've been doing so in the month of October, and some of the themes that we see in worship, even in the Bible, and, and how, how do we do that today? How do we model biblical worship? And, and we talked about how, um, based off the Emmaus story and based off uh, other stories in Scripture, that we can see worship kind of having this flow, and, and how God is, is truly active in worship, and, and God reveals 
God's self to us, and, and then we respond to that. So there's a sense that God is moving, and then we, we respond. So we talked about how there's four different rooms in worship, if you think of different rooms as you're journeying through uh, a worship experience. And the first room, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how the first room is the gathering room. It's a time to gather uh, as we begin worship. And then the, the second room that we enter through worship is the Word, which is the, the, the red word in Scripture, and also um, the, uh, the, the spoken word or through the sermon, uh, whoever it is that may be preaching. But if you, if you remember um, the story of Emmaus that we talked about, a village called Emmaus, and they're talking to one another as they take that walk, and you know, some crazy things had just gone down. They're pretty downcast. They're, they're thinking about Jesus' brutal execution on the cross that had just taken place. And, you know, as they're talking, none other, none other than the resurrected Christ appears to them and begins to walk with them. But they don't know it's Jesus. And they continue to talk with him and walk with him. And, and Jesus basically is asking them, like, what are y'all up to? Or, or what are you guys talking about? Like, what's going on? And, and Cleopas, who, you know, basically is thinking, how do you not know? How have you not heard what's taken place around here in these past few days? And Jesus is basically like, you know, what do you mean? Like, what, what's going on? And, and they basically continue to, uh, to be with Jesus, even though they don't know it's him. And as they get closer to the village called Emmaus, Jesus begins to walk ahead of them. And those two men, men begin to urge Jesus, oh, stay with us. Even though they don't know it's him still, stay, stay with us, you know. Um, don't, don't leave right now. So Jesus stays with them, and as Luke records in the Gospel of Luke, that they were all at a table breaking bread together. And as soon as Jesus took that bread, blessed it, broke it, their eyes were opened. It was revealed that the one who had been walking with them and journeying with them was none other than the resurrected Christ. And they realized that in that moment, as Jesus was with them in the flesh, resurrected from the dead. Can you imagine your eyes being opened to Jesus in that moment? And when that happened, the scriptures record that Jesus vanished from their sight. And then they begin to think about it and reflect. And they're thinking, were, were not our hearts burning when he was walking with us and talking with us? And they look back and thought, that just happened. He was with us. So then they respond to that by going back into Jerusalem and they begin to share their experience. And if you remember from a couple weeks ago, there was kind of four main ideas that came from this scripture. And that's the uh, next slide there. The first thing that we see in this scripture is that Christ approached his followers. That in this story, Jesus is the one who approaches his followers. And then we see that Christ engages them in Scripture. If you go back and read that story, you'll see that Jesus begins to share Scripture with them and interprets it and, and talks to them about it. And then the third uh, theme that kind of runs through this Emmaus story is that we see that Christ's identity is truly made known only in the context of that table fellowship through the breaking of bread. And then the fourth theme we see in this story is that Christ inspires them to then go out and to share that story. That's what's happening in this Emmaus story. And in many ways, this is what happens in worship. And, and when we focus on this and remember this, this can, 
can help us and uh, perhaps even enhance our worship experience. So a couple weeks ago, we imagined that as we worshiped each week, we're kind of going into these four different rooms and we're invited into the house of God where Christ is our host and where all are welcome and we experience these things and worship becomes a journey through these four different rooms and in these stories based in the scriptures. So we've talked about the first two rooms. We, we've already mentioned those. And we talked about the gathering, how each week when we come and we get out of our cars or we walk across the street or whatever, we come into this building that we call Gethsemane. And we remember that God is the one who is gathering us. And it is our, think about being in this place as your personal response to God's invitation. That God has invited you that you have come, there was something on your heart, and you feel like, I just need to be here today, or I want to be there. And God is inviting you, and you have answered that call to be here in this place today. And God calls us to worship, and we joyfully respond. And then worship, if you remember, we talked about how worship then becomes not a public meeting about God, but worship becomes a public meeting with God. And we experience God in our midst. And then we talked about the word, how that's the second room of worship that we journey to. And this is the part of the service where we experience the Bible being read, where we listen to those words and, and we hear them and, and those ancient scriptures and we, we listen for something that might stick out to us or, or it's something we might reflect on throughout the day and keep going back to and and there's just something about being in a setting where the word is being read to us and we hear it and we, we soak it in. And then the second part of that, uh, part of the service, the word is not only the, the read word, uh, but the spoken word. The, when, when a sermon uh, takes shape and, and how maybe something in the sermon might speak to you based off the scripture reading and, and how you feel like, um, uh, you know, sometimes people have, have told me like, um, you know, are you like following me during the week? Because I feel like, I feel like you were talking like directly to me. It was like nobody else should have been here today. Like, and, and you, I don't know that, you know, I no, I don't follow you. That's weird. And, um, but sometimes we hear things and, and I can, you know, I sometimes uh, when I sit in services and things like that, I'll be like, wow, like that, that I needed to hear that today. Like, how does that work? You know, and because we're attentive to the spirit and God is, is using whoever it is that's preaching and, and can, can speak to you. And, and the scripture also speaks to you. And that's an important part of the service. Because in the service of the word, we remember that God is speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. So as we journey today, I want to look through these last two rooms of worship. And the third room is the response. The response. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was talking before the service with a couple of people. I've had a couple of weddings the past couple of weekends. And um, two weekends ago, my cousin, my, my youngest cousin on my dad's side of the family got married. There's a picture of them here, uh, Kristen and uh, Stephen. And they got married on a golf course in Georgetown in our grandparents' backyard. And um, it, was a, it was a wonderful ceremony. And uh, it was really neat. It was out in the middle of the fairway. And um, it, it was, it was cool because, you know, they, Kristen and her dad pulled up in a car, uh, as everybody was ready. And then it was like one of those things where, you know, the door opened and she got out and, you know, I always love like watching the, the groom and, 
you know, photographers figured this out recently, right? That not only do you get pictures of the bride, but you get the groom's reaction uh, when, when he sees the bride coming down the aisle, and, um, or in this case, the fairway. And, you know, I, I looked at Stephen, and there's a picture, and I couldn't find it. I, it must have, like, I, I don't know where it went, but I tried to, I wanted to show you, but there's a picture of him when she comes down where he has his glasses off and his hands in his face like this, you know, and, and his uh, reaction to seeing her, his response was to be overwhelmed with emotion. And even yesterday, um, the, one of the, when I was in youth ministry, one of the youth in that group um, uh, asked me to do uh, the wedding for him and his wife. And so he was standing there and, you know, he was facing this way and there was, it was inside of this barn because of the rain and, and there was these big set of stairs and, and as soon as her and her dad got to these top set of stairs, um, you know, I was like, Nick, turn around, you know, see your bride. And he turned around and here she comes and he's just like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and it, it, you know, just to see his reaction too. So there's this sense and, and you see that at weddings a lot, right? Whether you look at the groom and their reaction and there's just all of this happening at once. And then all of a sudden the doors open or whatever it is and, and, and it's real and it's happening. And all of a sudden there's a response from the groom. And the past two Saturdays, I've seen such amazing responses from them that invoke emotion. There was, there was something that they just couldn't help. They just had to respond to what it is that they were experiencing, to what was being revealed to them. And that's what we're talking about in worship is a response to God for what God is doing, for what God is showing to us and revealing to us. And, you know, we've talked about that in recent weeks. And, and you know, I ask again, how are we responding to what God is doing in our lives and what God has done in our lives and what God will continue to do in our lives? How do we respond to the, the truth that God is present with us, not just here, but as we go from this place that God has always been with us, even if we haven't realized it, and that God's love is strong for us no matter what we've done, and that God's going to be faithful to us. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to scripture that's being read to us that we hear? Or how do we respond to something in a sermon that might um, convict us or encourage us or speak to us in a way where we think, I needed to hear that? How is it that we are responding you know, in the book of Acts, we, the scripture I read this morning, we see this taking place after the Holy Spirit is moving among the new believers. And it's a day we call Pentecost in the church. It's the birthday of the church where the Holy Spirit comes and, and gives birth to the church in the beginning of the book of Acts. And Peter here is taking an opportunity to address a crowd that is really confused and wondering what's happening. And Peter begins to, to share some things that might even be a little convicting. And he begins to share to the crowd you know, um, you all are the ones who handed Jesus over to be killed. Like, like it was you, but God has raised him from the dead. And Peter begins to share some, some scripture with them as well. And after a bit of Peter's preaching, the scripture says, as we started out today in the reading, that the people in the crowd were cut to the heart. They were convicted. Something was happening to them. And they began to respond by saying, what should we do, Peter? How do we respond to this? After you're telling us this, what do we do? And Peter's response is that you need to repent. In other words, turn to God and change your mind. Be renewed. Listen to what we are telling you. 
Be baptized, every one of you, he says, so that your sins may be forgiven and so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, when those people were cut to the heart and they experienced God in their midst through, through Peter's preaching, the scripture says that about 3,000 people welcomed the message that Peter was preaching and then they were baptized. They heard the truth they responded in faith and in baptism. They, they responded by devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of bread, and they chose to respond by being people who prayed. And each week when we gather in worship, how is it that we are responding to what God has spoken and how God is moving in the service? What catches our attention? Whether it's in the, in the scripture reading or the sermon or whatever, what might be God? What might God be trying to say to you? And what do you do with that? How do you respond? What is, what is the church, how does the church body respond to the word being read and preached on a weekly basis? Up until about the 16th century, so hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, it was very common for the church to respond by coming to the table, by, by sharing communion, by breaking bread as Christ is revealed in the breaking of bread, as we see in the Emmaus story. And then around that time, there, you know, things happening in church history and, uh, you know, in some traditions, communion became not, not as important. And with the Protestant Reformation and all of that, there, there are many Protestant churches uh, today who are, you know, not Roman Catholic is what I mean by that. And, um, you know, some churches celebrate communion all the time and some people it's like, you know, once or twice a year and uh, it just depends on your tradition. And, and how that's, um, how that's handled. Uh, but a lot of times uh, in the early church, that, that, that part of the service that's called word and table is like this, was the centerpiece of Christian worship, was hearing the word, reading the word, experiencing that, and then responding by coming to the table and breaking bread with one another. But there's many ways to do that too. We don't just respond by communion all the time. We do communion once a month here in the church. And um, but there's other ways to respond to the word, isn't there? There's other ways to uh, respond to what God has done in the service. We can respond by uh, inviting people to Christian discipleship for those who, who wish to become disciples of Christ and start that journey. Or we can respond by uh, just taking some moments of silence to reflect on what God may want us to continue to do based off of the service. Or we can respond by prayer or by singing or we can even respond um, by, by the offering, by tithes and offerings even after the sermon, where, where we are reminded that uh, even the, the offering itself is an act of worship. And, um, and that's something um, that, that I want to work on um, coming up in the near future is, is to shift the offering to that part of the service so it's not just kind of, you know, in the beginning, you know, in between songs, but it's actually intentionally it's a response. It's part of our response in, uh, of all that God has done and is doing in our lives. And, and, and it's, it's done in that way where, you know, this is part of how we are responding is by, by generosity. And we'll talk more about that um, in November. Um, but, but there's all kinds of ways that we can respond to what God is doing. And communion is one of them. Maybe it's someone sharing a testimony. So how is it that we respond to what we feel God is doing in our midst in the worship service. And ultimately, where does that response lead us to? And how can we be reminded as the service concludes that we are continuing in our response? And that leads us to the fourth room 
of worship. So just to recap, we've talked about how we come and we gather. We draw our attention to God. We, we sing. We pray. Uh, and then we're reminded that we enter into this space where we are hearing the word of God read to us. And we are, we are also uh, hearing that word spoken to us in the sermon. And then we move into this room where, where we are responding to what the word has done in our hearts on that day. And then the fourth room is the sending it is, it is the sending part of the service. You know, um, when we gather each week, we're also reminded that we are sent. That's what the, the word apostle means. It, to say the, to be an apostle is, is one who is sent. So now that my wife is pregnant, um, I have a lot of, um, how shall we say this, um, I get in the car a lot and go to the store for things. So I have become an apostle for mashed potatoes. Or I have become an apostle for macaroni and cheese or an apostle for ice cream or cherry juice or whatever it may be is because she is sending me. And I am sent and I am on mission as I go to the store and I know why I'm there. And I know what I'm getting because I have been sent. And I have been given orders, and I am going, and I am following those orders. And I, I am an apostle headed to Food Line or Walmart or wherever. And I'm on mission because I know my purpose. I know why it is that I'm there. And in the Emmaus story, they go back to Jerusalem after they experience Jesus and the breaking of the bread. And, you know, they, are, they have this feeling of being sent to go share that good news and when Jesus uh, later ascends into heaven, you know, they're not just called to stay, stand there and, you know, scratch their heads and look up into the sky for the rest of their lives. But after Jesus ascends into heaven, then they're called to go out and, and, and then be people who spread that truth about Christ and to be those people. They are, they are sent as we are sent. And Jesus even says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And we must remember that as disciples of Jesus Christ, that we're not called to just be here on Sunday morning so that we can experience God and then just go back to our normal lives or that we're not here just to fill up our spiritual gas tanks so that we can just barely make it to Saturday night and then come back in and get refueled again. But we are here sent by the power of the Holy Spirit after the service to go back out into the world, to live this out to be who we're called to be in the world, that we are all apostles that are being sent out to, to, to counties in Maryland and Delaware and wherever we travel throughout the week, that we are on mission, that we are being sent and we know why it is that we're being sent. I remember I was in a church in South Carolina one time and I was, as I was walking out of one of their um, facilities on the top of the wall, was a sign that said, the church is leaving the building. And I just thought that was so um, uh, unique. And it was a reminder for the congregation. Every week when they left, they were reminded that the church doesn't stay here when it empties. You know, this is a facility. This is a building. This is a sanctuary. But we are the church. So that when we leave, the church has left the building. And that we are called to be reminded every week that the church is leaving the building. And it's going out into the community and into our workplaces and into our families and all of those things. 
that we are the light that goes into the darkness, that God is the one who sends us. This is the oldest tradition in biblical worship, the sending. It's a tradition of sending that we see even in Scripture. And for those of you even with a Roman Catholic background, the word mass, if you go to mass, we, you know, some of us may have heard of that or been a part of that. And, you know, that, the Latin word for, for mass means you are sent. And it's a reminder that you are sent. We are all sent to go out. And at the end of the service each week, I give what's called the benediction. You know, even that word broke up. Bene means good and diction means words. So it's basically giving good words. And when I walk down that aisle, it's one of my favorite parts of the service because it's not just something we do and, okay, he's going to say something and then, you know, we're getting our keys and we're ready to go. It's, it's, no, it's a reminder that we are being sent. Based off of what we've experienced today, it's a reminder that, that we are getting out of here and that we are going and that we are living this out. And I encourage you to reflect on that. And as we are in worship, we remember each week that we are invited by God when we gather, that we hear the written and the spoken word, that we respond to those words, and that we then are sent to go back out into the world. So in the coming months, you know, I want to make these parts of the service uh, more visible, even in our bulletins, to, to just say, this is, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. How are we responding how are we going through these different rooms of worship? And the beauty of this is that this can look different in any church. It can look different in any setting. The themes don't change, but how we do them may change. But to remember these truths as we worship can be so important in our discipleship because God is inviting us. And I find the corporate experience of worship to be meaningful and important as part of our discipleship. And may you be someone who continues to also find this time together on Sunday mornings as meaningful and relevant for your own life and for your own discipleship. And that when, when this is not a part of your discipleship, that you may then soon recognize the imbalance and say, something's off. I miss being here. I miss the church family. I miss experiencing God with a group of people like this. And, and we were reminded that that we are always invited to return in those same arms of Jesus that are open to you as you come in each and every week. Those arms are open to you saying, come, experience my love. I will give you rest. Come and let me embrace you. And those same arms of Jesus are open again as you leave. And those same arms now are saying, now go. Now go out into the world. Live by my teachings and know that I am with you until the end of the age. May we embrace those arms of Christ and also be sent by those arms of Christ every week.